CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ben, I got to get coffee. Stall. Tell everybody about today's show while I go do that. Get get coffee? Yeah, go ahead. Tell everybody about today's show. Stall? I'm not that, I'm not that used to stalling. Hmm. It's snowing outside. Well, we're going to have a great show today. Miles Conflaston will be here from In These Times. And then Marge Halpert will be joining us at 4 o'clock. I'm looking at the snow falling, snowflakes. Marge Halpert will be talking about the big inauguration party. I, you know, I'm really feeling like having an inauguration party, um, to tell you the truth. But they're going to have one anyway. They're going to celebrate, so we're going to be talking about that. Indivisible's uh, Marge Halpert. So, hey, uh, great job, Stalin. Dean, what can I tell you? And I've been in the game a while. I don't know how to stall. You know, That'll be available for download, by the way, our interview with March Halpern uh, by 7 o'clock this evening at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts, live stream chat room. What's happening? How's it going? I'm using a new microphone today. Let me know how uh, it sounds. If I need to turn it up, turn it down, sounds okay, whatever, weigh in, let me know. And your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, January 19th is moments away. Before we do this, let's thank sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. They are sponsors. Thanks, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. We'll maybe have a commercial for them soon sometime. I don't know. Look for that in the future. Also, the Chicago Federation of Labor are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. Check out chicagoreader.com. Subscribe. Ben has a column every week there. Have you ever missed a week of Chicago Reader column? In my entire life. That's Chicago Reader? Yeah. Uh, we mean uh, only when I've taken a vacation. Oh, okay. Dude, I am uh, obsessive. Yeah, I got issues, D. Yeah, yeah. He has issues. issues. And you can yeah. check those issues out. Well, I mean, you can listen to the show and hear them, uh, you know, all the time. But if you want to read them, they're in, uh, you know, that form as well. Go check it out, chicagoreader.com, uh, and subscribe to the Chicago Reader. All right. Do we have a song of the day? Yes, of course we have a song of the day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Jim came in first with song of the day. Way to go, Jim. Uh, we got a Rolling Stones song, Please Do Not Sue Us, Ruby Tuesday. Oh, I love this song. Goodbye, Ruby. Good name something on you. Oh, that's those are the words that can name something on you. <laughs> I forget the words. Mm. There was a restaurant called Ruby Tuesdays. Did you know that, Dave? Yeah, there still is a restaurant called Ruby uh, Tuesdays. Still <laughs> around. Restaurant. I would come in and like I, the maitre d' would say, "May I seat you?" And I go, "Goodbye, Ruby." And he goes, "Sir, I've heard that joke a million times today." Please leave. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky <clears throat> show. Oh, okay. You all right there? What's going on? Yeah. Um, 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 um. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> It is Ruby Tuesday, January 19th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, In These Times writer, Miles Camp Lassen. Now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Katie Couric Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend. You have a great weekend, D? Yes, I did. It was two, two days ago, but yes, it was oh, a great okay. weekend. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, you forgot. <laughs> I saw One Night in Miami Run, Don't Walk. Ladies and gentlemen, to see it. Great flick. Can't uh, recommend it enough. 
probably talking about it endlessly on this show. May do a whole series on it. I uh, saw the conclusion of uh, Mrs. America, a show that's only about a year old and a little behind the times. So if you haven't already seen it, run, don't watch to see that one as well. Uh, Terry Cosgrove and I are planning a whole show. Terry Cosgrove is the only person uh, I know D who loves Mrs. America as much as I do. And we obsessively talked about it uh, over the weekend Great, great series. Uh, it's still relevant. The issues it touches are still relevant today, politically speaking. So we'll be taking a deep dive in that later, uh, as we will on uh, One Night in Miami. Uh, Saw Lupine, are the first episode Ooh. of it. Yes, Ooh. thank you. It's it's Lupine, L-U-P-I-N, Omar Sy, uh, French. Uh, that's my uh, French imitation. Love it, love it, love it. I'm back in the groove on the boob tube, D. I was oh, boy, now out. if we can get back uh, in the groove with... Current sayings in the year 2021, the boob tube. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been a rough time. I haven't really, like, had a show I really loved. And I really love Mrs. America, and now I love Lupine. Anyway, back to business. One day to go. As in one day for Donnie to get out of the White House. It's like, where did the time go? It seemed only yesterday that Donnie, Milani, and the gang were walking in. Of course, the problem is much, much, much bigger than uh, young Donald, though he's a big problem. The bigger problem with Donnie leaving is, gosh, the gazillions and gazillions of people who either love him or love his message. Though it's interesting how long that message can prosper without Twitter. I'm starting to wonder how long it can prosper without Twitter. And to prove my point, Young Donald Trump slipped under 30% in public opinion poll taken last week. David Ferris mentioned this on the interview on Friday. Uh, he broke the news. That's the sound of news breaking. He uh, broke the news to me as we were having that conversation. I was Friday afternoon. And uh, I didn't have an immediate thought or theory about it. You know, it's not like I'm a freaking jukebox, ladies and gentlemen. Just put in a nickel and I have a thought. You think I'm like Dennis? Huh? Like, come on, D, imitate Marge Simpson. Uh. <laughs> Come on, D, imitate Mr. Burns. <laughs> That's Mr. Burns? <laughs> yeah, you asked for it. <laughs> Come on, D, now family guy. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> D, Pritzker. That was kind of it. Yeah, I know. I just kind of inspired. Anyway, sorry about that, D. He's very sensitive about that. He, you know, it's not a jukebox. You can't put a nickel on him either. But the point is, these ideas just don't come to me. So I didn't have an immediate theory as to why Donald Trump suddenly fell below 30% of the popularity polls. And then I was walking late at night, and I was pondering the universe as I do in my late-night rambles. And then, bang, it hit me. Yes, the sound of inspiration is much the sound of me flip-flopping. Donald Trump fell under 30% in the public opinion polls because he's no longer on Twitter. Twitter was the key. It was his direct communication to the world. Not just the MAGA cultists and Trump devotees in need of deprogramming who will follow him wherever he goes. Like the song by Little Peggy, Little Peggy March. I love him. I love him. I love him. And do, 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 I love him. I will follow him. Come on, D, sing along. <clears throat> oh, wow. We're losing live stream listeners as you keep singing. And what's that? Is that a coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of like Trump and his Twitter. <laughs> Whoa. No, not just the devotees who need deprogramming, but Mr. and Mrs. America who are sitting at home going, you know, Trump kind of makes sense. I mean, I'm just saying. Without that direct Twitter feed into their brain, he's not speaking right into their minds. And they're more likely to be free of Dottie, be free to think as they want. And then they come to the conclusion, oh, my God. 100,000 more people have died from COVID in the last five weeks. Maybe Donald Trump is not such a great president. That's the headline in today's New York Times, folks. Pretty depressing headline. Just put it to the side. Anyway, that's my theory. Came to me the other night. By the way, that deprogramming comment, I'm actually quoting Katie Couric, one of Dennis's favorites. Uh, she tweeted it Guilty. out. She tweets. Everyone tweets except for me. How can I be the next Joe Rogan if I don't tweet? Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold it. I just realized something, D. She didn't tweet it. She said it on the Bill Maher show. Uh, D, could you edit out the whole thing where I said Katie Couric tweeted? Just edit it out. You know, we don't want Beezy to hear that. Anyway, right. 
She said it on the Bill Myers show, ladies and gentlemen. She said, <laughs> just, just, just edit that out. Okay? We mess up on purpose enough, all right? No, but it's funny. If you've you ever been on a quote-unquote radio program and they're doing a recording, it's true. The host will go, oh, just uh, there, there's some unseen person, pr- uh, producer. Uh, Billy Bob, uh, just take care of that in the uh, editing process. Okay. Yeah. That's how Dennis and I uh, Dennis, uh, just take care of that, okay? Yeah, yeah, sure, boss, coming right up. Yeah, anything you ask. <laughs> Where was I, Dennis? Oh, yes. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, Katie Kirk at the Bill Myers show. And she said, quote, are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? Immediately after that uh, <laughs> comment was aired, Maggie started crying like the little snowflakes they are. She's so mean. She's so biased. We don't need deprogramming. It's perfectly normal to believe that Donnie Trump, a TV pitchman, is actually the fearless leader in the war against unseen satanics, cult of pedophiles. Just one theory that Trumpsters subscribe to. By the way, Frank, thank you very much. Sent me three updates. I hadn't seen these, uh, but talk about nutcases. The Wyoming GOP, Western states paying attention to Texas efforts to secede. So there's a nutcase you got to worry about. This guy's the head of the Wyoming GOP. We're studying this. And where did he say it? On the Steve Bannon show. Steve Bannon's got a podcast. They were neck and neck with Bannon in the ratings battle. Okay? Uh, uh, Let's God try to damn. Oh, uh, uh, make America uh, great again, huh? <laughs> we got to do that. I don't have no clue what he sounds like. That, that, that's the worst Bannon imitation I've ever heard. Huh. He was fly. He wrote the stupid inauguration speech that Trump gave four years ago, and now he's doing a podcast. He's probably in his attic too, overlooking a porta potty. Somehow or other, I think Steve Bannon's got a better studio. By the way, isn't wasn't Steve Bannon arrested? How the hell does he have time for a podcast? Uh, wasn't he arrested? D? Uh, uh, D, uh, you can podcast from anywhere nowadays. Jail cell. <laughs> He looked that up for me. Do a little, you know, get back to me, okay? I'm not doing uh, that. So Steve Bannon has his own podcast. Uh, some insane Wyoming GOP leader went on it. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, a uh, nutcase she is, congresswoman from Georgia. Uh, turns out in 2018, she was drinking the Alex Jones Kool-Aid. And uh, well, in this case, she said the Parkland school shooting was a false flag. Yeah, they just made it up. Part of their wider effort to uh, get... Force Congress, embarrass Congress into passing legislation that would take away guns. It's like there's never been anything remotely resembling a bill that would force people to give up their guns. People are buying. People are always buying more guns. Ever notice that? You know, every every time there's like a transition between a Republican and a Democrat, it's like the stories come out. Uh, reports are. Coming out that gun sales are going through the roof. Tribune loves this story. Tribune's always putting it. Gun sales going through the roof. It's like, what are these guys doing with all these freaking guns? Sorry, T. Doing where I was going with that. Oh, I'm saying, MAGA, you can't have it two ways. You can't dedicate your lives to stupid, bizarre, whacked out theories that make you look like a cultist and then complain when the Katie Kirks of the world call you cultists. Oh, you know, and by the way, equally, you can't cry and weep and moan about cancel culture and how liberals and lefties are a bunch of little snowflakes that they can't take some insulting. And then as soon as someone criticizes you, you cry and moan like a snowflake. Can't have it two ways. Just saying. So stop crying, MAGA. You're leaving the way you came in. Crying like the little snowflakes that you are. We got our great show today, everybody. Miles Kamflassen in these times. He's not crying, okay? He's not a snowflake. He wrote an excellent article uh, in in these times, which we're going to break down. Uh, Now that Donald Trump is leaving, what can the Dems do to keep more Donald Trumps from uh, emerging? Excellent article by the great Miles Gonflesson. We talk about politics, politics, politics. But before we do that, the young man from Alton. The man that Miles Gonflesson finally calls Dr. D., with the news. That is true. He has called me Dr. D quite a bit. <laughs> Does. A lot of people call you Dr. D, except for Troy LaRavier, who calls you D-nice. Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> hey guys, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And I guess we're going to keep talking about Mike Madigan, who is now our former Speaker of the House. Ben, you've been on the planet a very long time, and you've lived in Illinois for most of it. How weird does that sound? Former Speaker Mike Madigan. I can't quite get it, you know? Although I really don't believe there's that much difference between uh, Chris Welch and Mike Madigan. I'm just going to be the first to throw it out there. I actually threw that out there last week. Oh, All right, well, hey, let's pause it right there. More on Madigan in moments. That's a tease, everybody. But first. I pause it. No, I I pause. I'm frozen. Wait, we have to tag so I can be unfrozen. Here, tag, touch the screen. (laughs) I'm unfrozen now. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, we're going to forget about that. But we're going to try our best to remember that a little later. Uh, More on Madigan in moments. But first, we continue our coverage on the State of the Union. The Chicago Teachers Union. First up, an update from CTU President Jesse Sharkey. I am right now. um, Can't hear you, man. Sorry. This is a truck going by. Remember, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her Chicago Public Schools team would really like it if the Chicago Teachers Union got on board with their, hey, here's a crazy idea. Let's open up the schools during a pandemic and right before the vaccine plan. And the teachers union has been like, wait, what was that plan again? Oh, hell no, we're not doing that. And the mayor and her CPS team are still planning to forge ahead. On to Monday's news, the CPS is still, still forging ahead. And the following headline comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. CTU continues to plea to CPS for safe school reopenings. This is about saving our lives. The Chicago teachers union and supporters held a march on the South Side Monday as it continued the union's months-long plea for a safe reopening plan. The CTU held a press conference Monday in Pilsen, and boy, they brought the heavy hitters at this event. I have the audio, and we begin with our host of the event, 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho-Lopez. B-Y-R-O-N-S-I-G-C-H-O-L-O-P-E-Z. Awesome. Thank you. Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, one more time. You need to spell it. Okay. B Y R O N S I G C H O L O P E Z. There you go, buddy. Why was he spelling his name? (laughs) Hold on, Dave. Just before we go further, B N J O R A V, as in Victor, S K Y D, Dr. D O C T O R D, as in D. Alderman Sick Why was he spelling his name? That was like the beginning of the press event, and uh, they said, like, hey, you know, say your name and spell your name, you know? You know what? Can I just say something? I didn't realize that. That's a great idea. And I'm just speaking, you know, that was really nice of you because reporters of the world, like, the first thing you got to do is get the name spelled right. Oh, my God. They teach you that. You got to get the name spelled right. This is what I want in journalism school. And then you got to get the age. Uh, sir, how old are you? They always ask you how old you are. So, uh, Dr. D, comma, 31, comma, said I am the walrus. Do you think I'm 31? What? Do you think I'm 31? Uh, well, I was, I, uh, kinda, but <laughs> you thought I was thirty-one. I wasn't even like, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't even really thinking that you were thirty-one. I just like s- looked at you and said thirty-one. Thirty-seven. Like, Thirty-seven. Wow. Sunrise, sunset. Alderman Sigcho Lopez kicked off the event with one of what became many powerful speeches in this event. We have had multiple conversations over the week. We actually have engaged in dialogue with our educators, parents, administrators, teachers, and overwhelmingly, across the board, we reject the reopening plan. It is oppressive to see people of color being forced to go back to our schools. And we're here as we see more local school councils in our community. Almost every local school council that we have attended, every school council that we have attended has signed a letter rejecting the reopening plan. And we are here as a community in support of our teachers to stop the retaliation, those shameful practices of CPS, and to make sure that here as a community, we are going to protect the lives of our community. That is unequivocal and that's what we're gonna fight for. 
You know, it's good to hear Byron Cisha Lopez uh, coming out strong for the teachers. Uh, D, that has not always been the case uh, in the city of Chicago with aldermen. I remember 2012, the uh, Chicago teacher strike. Oh, my God, have we re- written history on that strike? Now, when you read the articles about the strike, it's like, yes, everybody rose up to join Karen Jennings Lewis and the teachers union on the strike. You know, everybody supported them. Everybody did. Everybody thought Rom was mean. <laughs> Folks, that's completely rewritten. I think on that stage, uh, they had that big rally at the Auditorium Theater. It was a very impressive rally. Uh, Jesse Jackson was there. Jesse Lewis Jackson was there. Karen Lewis, of course. Um, I believe the only alderman, I think Bob Fioretti was there. And I think Scotty Wagsback was there. Uh, that was the days, of course, when Scotty was the leader of the uh, progressive. Uh, and... Nick Spazzato may have been there. I know Nick. I don't know if Nick was there at that particular rally. He showed up at Daily Center for one of the rallies. So it was really like a handful of aldermen. Boy, I tell you what, for such a progressive town, it takes us a while for people to find their progressive courage. I'm not quite ready to do it. I just can't come out because the mayor will get mad at me, and I don't want the mayor to get mad at me. That's that Chicago mentality. So afraid of the mayor. So, you know, let's give Byron a little credit, D. I, mainly because nobody expected Byron to be the alderman. You know, uh, Danny Solis was the alderman of the 25th Ward for like a gazillion years, one of the most powerful aldermen in the city of Chicago, head of the zoning committee. Then he stepped down. Remember when he stepped down? I want to spend more time with my family. And Ron was like, oh, what a what a nice thought. Please, thank you for your service and enjoy your family. And then it turned out that Danny Solis was wearing a wire. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, I kind of forgot that. Danny Solis, whatever the mayor said, supported the mayor when it came to the teachers union. Oh, the teachers union. Can't they just get along a little bit? Meanwhile, he's wearing a wire. <laughs> anyway, so Danny Solis uh, didn't run, and that, that vacancy uh, opened the door uh, for Byron Cicero Lopez. And now the 25th Ward uh, has an out-and-out progressive, not afraid to stand up with the teachers union. But again, a bizarre city Chicago is. Votes 80 to 85% year in and year out. A presidential election, uh, one after another, for the liberal Democrat. But when it comes to local issues, you know, we're generally a little scared, a little afraid. Got the little finger out in the air, see which way the wind is blowing. A couple of calls from the mayor. <laughs> they find their inner MAGA, so to speak, you know. So it's good to see Byron Cicero Lopez D is on the front lines. Just saying, okay? I find it encouraging. Oh, you're bringing it on the sound effects today, all right? That was awesome work right there, buddy. Yeah, thank you, man. You know, I, I've been thinking about it all weekend. And, uh, Vilma and I have been working on it all weekend. All right, there's no Vilma. It's me and Ben. <laughs> all right, up next... Uh, at this speech, the CTU or the press conference the CTU held. Uh, we haven't heard from this guy in a while. And Ben, uh, please hold your ears if you don't mind. Could you do that, please? Okay, okay, okay. there we go. All right. I mean, yeah. we haven't heard from him in a while. I mean, besides on WCPTA 20 <laughs> on Sunday morning, hold your ears. Oh! Hold your ears on the Brandon Johnson show. Oh. All right. You can, unplug, you can unplug your ears. <laughs> I just, hurry. Brandon Johnson. You know, Cook County Board Commissioner, leader of the Chicago Teachers Union, good friend of this show. But I, I feel compelled uh, to take my deepest voice uh, on the airwaves to WCPT, the station that fired you. Ben, don't take it the wrong way. Then I go on CPT when they fired you. Uh, <laughs> by the way, did I tell you it's a brilliant management? I love them dearly. Brandon, I don't hold it against you. I swear it is true. I do not hold it against you. Okay. A lot of friends over at WC later. Ricky Hendon, Scotty Duff, right? I'm not going to name any more because I'll probably get fired, but, you know, just just say that I know and like them. A certain ad salesman who will go without mention. I like him, too. So, anyway, go ahead, D. What were you saying? It's the Brandon Johnson Show, Sunday mornings on WCPT 820, where facts matter. All right. <laughs> Unless they're facts about tips. Oh. Uh, then don't talk about them. Uh. But yes, it's Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. He spoke. And after this, I personally have my new, I hope he becomes a mayoral candidate favorite, 
Brandon Johnson, take it away. Dr. King said in a very clear way, it is our responsibility to call into question every aspect of society. And that's everything from the social inequalities around housing, healthcare, transportation, education, and jobs. What families are saying today is that the call that we had a generation ago, that that call still exists today. It is unconscionable that the mayor of Chicago is doing what previous administrations have done, and that's ignore the voices of black and brown families. It is shameful, it is unconscionable, it's disrespectful. Black and brown families all over the city of Chicago have said in a resounding voice that this so-called plan is not safe and it puts our families at risk. And thank you to the community and to the leaders within the Chicago Teachers Union and to the members for hearing the voices of families. So now we are calling on the mayor of Chicago. We are calling on the CEO of the Chicago Public Schools is to do something that the white men couldn't do. And that's actually respect and value the lives of black and brown people. We are calling on the mayor of Chicago and the CEO to do what white men couldn't do. And that's actually bring voice by standing up for an elected representative school board for the city of Chicago. We are calling on the mayor of Chicago and the CEO to do another thing that the white men couldn't do who were in charge. Actually put forth a plan that's collaborative, that speaks to the interests of the very people who make up this school district. It's about time that we get to not only listen to the voices of those who actually make up the district, but we cannot continue to prioritize the small minority who don't even want to recognize that this pandemic is real. Why are we capitulating to a handful of people who have not bared the brunt of social inequality and racism and white supremacy? It's about time that the mayor of this city, the CEO, do what's right for the very people who make up this city. I stand in complete solidarity with the families of Chicago, with the Chicago Teachers Union, and the movement across this globe to bring equity and justice once and for all. Thank you and God bless you. Brandon Johnson is a very powerful speaker, even if he has uh, makes dubious selections about his radio station that he works for. But uh, <laughs> just threw that out there. Uh, oh, Brandon, come on. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, you don't really get the full effect. I believe D must have been wearing a, a mask because he sounded a little muffled. I didn't, I, I couldn't see the video. I just heard it. But uh, he is a very powerful. I remember the first time I, I heard Brandon Johnson, and that, I believe it was 2012 was the year. Don't quote me on that, D. Uh, and he was the MC at a rally at UIC uh, where they, oh my God, I, mean, I just remember this. Um, this is, was a Misha Patel's rally that she put together, and they called various aldermen and uh, state reps to the stage to take a pledge on behalf of the community and various issues. And the alderman were only supposed to say yes or no. Like, do you support TIFF? Uh, ending TIFF, something like that. And yes! <laughs> as soon as they left the room, they completely abandoned uh, that pledge, of course. <laughs> but uh, yes, I remember that was the first time I was like, man! Because I had, I had talked to Brandon, he, I had uh, seen him in meetings, and um, but I, uh, so I just never saw his uh you know, speaking ability uh, on display until that rally. So he's a very powerful voice. And yeah, D, yeah, maybe one day uh, he will run for mayor. He put it right out there uh, defying Lori Lightfoot on this issue. I, w- I would say this. It just seems like sort of the theme of that speech is that Lori Lightfoot is capitulating to one community in Chicago that uh, wants schools open. I'm not sh- certain that is true. That is that there's one community in Chicago that wants schools open. That's a theory I've heard from uh, other people. I, I don't know if there's any significant desire or demand uh, in the city of Chicago from parents to automatically open the school. I know, I know, Brandon, I can hear your rebuttal. Even if you were sitting right here uh, in my attic, and that is uh, that um, uh, some s- schools in uh, predominantly white neighborhoods are having a larger uh, number of kids coming back than in black neighborhoods. So the suggestion is that 
there's a demand for the schools to reopen in those areas. I understand that. I just don't see and hear it as like a loud, persistent uh, theme that anybody is particularly articulating. I My sense of it is, Brandon, hope you don't vehemently disagree. Actually, I welcome your vehement disagreement and kind of bring it back to the show, D. Um, uh, but uh, my sense of it is, is just, just this notion that's infected many leaders throughout the country uh, of the democratic persuasion, the Dem persuasion, and that is they must show what? They must deviate from the teachers unions of the world and show their independence from the teachers of the world and uh, reopen the schools. And it's really is a bizarre th- thing. You know what I mean? Like of all the reopenings that they would choose in a city like Chicago, where we have these old outdated school buildings, it would be the schools. Now I noticed D, I don't know if you saw this, Lori Lightfoot is, you know, also tiptoeing toward opening bars and restaurants, tiptoeing. Not quite like the schools. She's sprinting to reopen the schools. But I, I, Brandon, I just have to disagree with you on this point. I'm not sure there is like a, a compelling movement anywhere to reopen the schools. I think in cities like Chicago, a lot of people are afraid of the pandemic. I can tell you that from personal uh experience i'm really afraid of the pandemic and i know a lot of people like me uh feel the same way uh so it's been going on for a long time and i feel like this it's almost like this mayor's they, they have this i gotta show the world that i'm doing something attitude uh, and then the the uh civic community joins in on it and the editorial boards join in on it. And it's like, yeah, we have to show the world that we really care about the kids. Let's open those schools, you know? And like I always say, plenty of time after this pandemic, just like there was plenty of time before the pandemic to show the world how much you care about the kids, if you really care about the kids. So just a minor difference of opinion with the great Brandon Johnson. All right, and finally, this is like a badass concert you go to. We got the closer, SDG, Vice President of the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacy Davis Gates. Listen, she's going to be honest. Here we go. Good morning. Um, I won't be long. You know, there's not much to say. This is tough. It is tough to sit at a bargaining table and try to make a bad plan better. It is tough to get phone calls and text messages and emails from our educators who have dedicated their entire life to this city, to our families in this city, and to the students of this city. Our educators want a return to their in-person classrooms, they do. And they want to do it safely. They want to do it safely for themselves, for their students, and all of their families. The irony of where we sit right now is that we finally have a president coming in the door who acknowledges the depth of this issue with respect to the pandemic. He has pledged that within the first 100 days of his administration, that the majority of schools in this country will get the resources that are necessary to keep people safe. That's number one. Number two, the state of Illinois on January 25th will enter 1B. And when we enter 1B, educators and school staff will be eligible for a vaccine. The irony is that it's the same day that the Chicago public schools will be forcing our workers, our members, who are mothers, who are fathers, who are aunts, who are uncles, who are sisters, who are brothers, to go back into classrooms. We have light at the end of the tunnel, but we have intractability at the negotiating table. Those two things are in sharp conflict. And so yet again, People who have not stopped working, by the way, and I want to make that clear because I think people have that confused. 
people who have not stopped working, who have learned how to do their job differently in the last nine months are being ex are expected to forego the science, to forego the experience that they've had with COVID, the experiences that their families have had with COVID, and just blindly return into a place where the ventilation is insufficient, where the filters are ill-equipped for the square footage that are in the classrooms, where the testing doesn't look like it should. Teachers who taught every scientist who's given out all of the protocols. They're supposed to forget to, that they know how to read. They are supposed to forget that they understand the rules. They are supposed to forget what best practices with the CDC, with the WHO have said. Like, you can't forget that. So yet again, we're forced to challenge the presumption of safety. This is the same union that in 2019 said we need a nurse in every school. Which by the way, a nurse in every school was the innovation from the pandemic we had a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago. This is the same union that said our children deal with trauma, so we need more social, social emotional supports. So put a social worker and a counselor in every school. This is the same group of people who said that we need a library in every single school. This is the same group of people who do not just take their needs to a negotiating table. They take the needs of the students and the families that they serve and the communities in which they serve to the negotiating table. So I want to reset this. We work, we work hard. We love, we love hard. And we are going to continue to challenge the presumption of this unsafe plan and demand a plan that makes remote learning better. Because like ha what has been said before, the vast majority of black families, the vast majority of Latinx families have said remote learning. So if we're talking equity, make remote learning better. And I don't want anyone to leave here today with the mistake that this is a power struggle. This is about saving our lives. This ain't about power. This ain't about politics. This ain't about petty grievances. This is about two weeks in the door. We have over 50 COVID exposures, incidents, infections happening in school buildings. Anyone else would say, time out. Let's figure this out. Yeah, that's Stacey Davis Gates. And you know, Dee, I like how she uh, didn't retreat from the notion that she was speaking on behalf of teachers. I mean, it is, it is the Chicago Teachers Union. They represent teachers, and that's what a union is supposed to do. Uh, and in this case, their members have been put in danger. And I, I, again, going back to what Brandon says, I don't see a really compelling political movement that the mayor and Janice Jackson are responding to, to open the schools in the middle of the pandemic. I think it's pretty obvious that everybody's sick of the pandemic and the pandemic is not good for education to put it mildly and that virtual education is no substitute for in-class uh, uh, teachers, absolutely. But we're in the middle of a pandemic, it's very dangerous. And this notion that it's a bargaining issue. Stacey Davis case mentioned we're at the bargaining table. How absurd is that? They're bargaining over this. It's such a Chicago mentality. Like you reduce teachers to just this entity called the Chicago Teachers Union and every step of the way you bargain with them and then you show how strong you are by defying them. And you're cheered on from the sidelines by the powers that be in this city who like view teachers as this, this irritating little group 
of meddlesome creatures that are like their servants and their babysitters. That's how they view teachers. They have just such a disparaging attitude toward them. And so they just love it when a, a, a mayor is tough with a teacher. That's how you te treat a teacher. Man, I've sat at teacher conferences. Dee, I'm just going to share that. I've heard the way some parents talk to teachers. You know, I've been next in line, so you're in the classroom waiting for your turn to meet with the teacher. And you got some parent. Pause for the train to go by, D. You got some parent who's like, I don't know. Maybe at one point she was two years in a classroom. Or who knows? Suddenly she's an expert. You know, I read Maria Montessori's book on teaching. Did you ever read that book? This poor teacher's got to deal with 30 kids and 60 freaking parents. Now I'm going to get a lecture from someone well, about Maria Montessori. Maria Montessori laid it out. I don't know. I, just the attitude that Chicago has towards the team. They're bargaining over this. I said it once, I'll say it a million times, I'll never understand why Lori Lightfoot couldn't just reach out to Jesse Sharkey or Stacey Davis Gage. Okay, she's got this thing about Stacey Davis Gage. She really doesn't like her. So they reach out to Jesse Sharkey. Hey, reach out to Brandon Johnson. Brandon Johnson's like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He gets along with everyone. You know, he even gets along with the people at WCA later. And so if you can't get along with Brandon Johnson, really, I, I, I don't know what to say. Okay, you don't like Stacey Davis Gates. We get that. Got this thing with her, about her. So, yeah, this, this is really bizarre. But it's just a continuation of the attitude that powerful Chicagoans have toward teachers. I'm sure it's something that Lori Lightfoot picked up in, you know, she's from the corporate culture, the corporate law. So, you know, she's, she hears how people talk about teachers. She hears how the powerful people of Chicago talked about Karen Lewis, how they trashed her back in 2012. I heard all the things you guys said about her. So, yeah, I'm different. I come at it differently. I admit it. I've said it many times. My mother was a teacher, so maybe it's a little personal with me. My mom was a teacher for over 40 years. So maybe it's a little personal with me. I throw that out there, I admit it. But what about the rest of you? What about your weird attitude, your impulse to tell a teacher based on like one year you may have studied teaching in college, so that you're an expert. Shut up, get in that classroom. We'll tell you how it's done. Sorry, D. Didn't mean to go on that tangent. All good, but actually, buddy. I did. <laughs> All good. Just don't talk about sports. Okay. <laughs> On to statewide news and some breaking statewide news. The following is a press release posted on CapitalFacts.com. Go check it out. CapitalFacts.com. Rich Miller, the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. State Senator Heather Staines today announced her resignation after 12 years of service, declaring, quote, it's time for fresh faces and new energy in Springfield. We have a quote from Staines. Staines says, quote, It's been the privilege of a lifetime to represent the most diverse Senate district in the state of Illinois. I've benefited tremendously from the many perspectives of the people I've represented. We've made great progress together, and now it's time to pass the baton. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. Wow, that is breaking news. That we did not discuss that in the pre-show planning well, session. That's how breaking news works. <laughs> As I recall, we did not discuss that. Let me go through my notes. Hold on. Well, we did not discuss that. Heather Stage, state senator from the north side of Chicago, the Edgewater area. First time I ever met Heather Stage, Steve. Thank you for asking. Oh, man. I think it was she said it was 12 years ago. She's been in the wow. Damn, sunrise, sunset, time's been flying. Yeah, that's time flying. Would have been about 2009, I want to say. Don't quote me in that, D. Uh, 2008, we met for coffee at the Starbucks on the corner of Lawrence and Broadway. Remember that, Senator Staines? No, oh, I love that uh, Starbucks. <laughs> I think you were there that day. I go, who is that good-looking guy with the mustache? 
Anyway, Heather Staines, quintessential uh, lakefront liberal. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had my issues with Heather Staines down through the years, I must admit. Uh, many of the lakefront liberals were a little too close to Rom. And we're drinking that Rom Kool-Aid and that whole, you know, neoliberal stuff and, and get tough on the teachers union and stand for teachers. And we love to charter schools. But they kind of outgrew it, T. You know, it was like an evolutionary phase that they were going through. And I'm thinking about that phase because Barack Obama was a big cheerleader for all that stuff, too. Arnie Duncan, my good friend Peter Cunningham wrote half the stuff they said. <laughs> Cunningham behind the scenes. All right, here's what you're going to say. Okay, boss, write it down. I mean, why? People go, why don't you get Arnie Duncan? Why would I want Arnie Duncan? I got Peter Cunningham. The guy wrote everything. People get, get Richie Daly. Peter Cunningham wrote all their speeches. If they said something smart, Cunningham probably wrote it. So, you know, it's, it's, it, I, I, I struggled with my fellow Democrats during that time. I really did, D. I, I struggled with them. I felt isolated from the party. I didn't support their initiatives in Springfield. They were always going after the pensions. They had this thing about the pensions. I'm like, why are you going after the pensions? It's like a direct investment in the city of Chicago. I could never understand a firefighter, a cop, a teacher, a truck driver, a garbage. They, they live in Chicago. You give them pension money. First of all, you don't give it to them. It's a return on this money. They, invested in their own pension. And we should all have pensions. Why are you like nickel and diming on the pensions and then looking the other way at all the corporate tax breaks and TIF handouts? I just, I really struggled with my lakefront liberals. And and uh, Heather Staines was one of them. But they, they kind of evolved. They, they grew out of it, D, you know? Um, they were better. It, as time went on, and uh, some of them are like radicals. Uh, Casey Kelly Cassidy is as lefty as I am well, these we, days. Well, we do have some. We do have some other news here. Wait, news with the newsroom's flagging me down. Hang tight. Let me run to the newsroom. I'll get the story. Uh, oh. We'll see what else is going on here. Hang tight. Hey, story. Give it to me. Yeah, it's snowing. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, a mustache. I know. Never heard that one before. They like the mustache, huh? Whatever. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, more breaking news. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> Read the story here. Update. State rep and dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky show, Kelly Cassidy, announced that she intends to seek the appointment to the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, KC. Here's the quote from Cassidy. Quote. I intend to seek the appointment to the Senate. See, she said it right there. <laughs> Dennis, um, let me just uh, make a couple of comments. Number one, we did not discuss this in the pre-show planning. Okay? Let's go back and change everything. <laughs> yeah, Kelly Cassidy is now as left as I am. So I, I applaud that. You're going to get a lefty in the state Senate. Good. I like lefties. And KC's letting that freak flag fly, and I applaud her for doing it. So it's all well, man, but what a shift. As I think of like 48th Ward, Edgewater politics, this is a special subsection of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. I know we have a lot of out of town listeners, but this is the north side of Chicago. This is an area that's always been just a little hesitant to let its freak flag fly. Just a little tied, a little too closely. Go back to the days of older woman, Marion Bellini. Little, love that daily machine a little too much. But now with Kelly Cassidy in there, a state senator, man, ready to rock and roll. It's Jimi Hendrix time. So uh, <laughs> I applaud Kelly Cassidy uh, getting the gig. And um, hey, Kelly Cassidy, just the two of us, let's clean up that reefer bill, huh? we got to get some more of these licenses out to black entrepreneurs. Just me saying that to you. You know I love you dearly. So, yes, D, it's the, the lakefront. I'm hoping that it's moving to the left. Uh, now, just north of that, excuse me, just south of that, in Lakeview and Lincoln Park, mm -hmm. come on. 
A lot of too many MAGA votes there. They what was what was old boy's name? Dear, I forgot his name already. Mm, old boy Ran against Kim Fox. You know, oh, which one? Oh, uh, Bill the Bro Conway. Yeah, forty third ward, forty fourth ward. A little too strong for Bill the Bro Conway. We just we really disapprove of how Kim Fox. Uh, responded to the whole Justice Bullet thing, Ben. Uh, <laughs> like you guys want to do the same thing? Kim Fox got a phone call from some high power. I don't even know who it was, but some well-connected person. Who knows who it was? You wouldn't have taken that call? 43rd Ward? 44th Ward? You don't take and make calls all the time? Hmm? Yeah, that's what I thought. So uh, anyway, I think the 48th Ward is moving more into a lefty uh, direction, D. Uh, the Alderman, Harry Osterman, I think he actually voted against a couple TIF measures. So, you know, about time, 48th Ward. Heather Stane, good luck to you, Heather Staines. Um, we didn't always see eye to eye on a lot of issues. Uh, back in that days when uh, those Dems were drinking that Rom Kool-Aid. But once Rom left the scene, everybody kind of moved to the lefty. Moved to the left. So any idea as to what uh, Staines is moving on to? I mean, time with the family? No, <laughs> Heather Staines comes from a well-to-do banking family, I think. So maybe she'll go back into banking. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. Any, I, do she, you think maybe uh, Pritzker has a plan for in some kind of re-election campaign whoa, cabinet or something? That. Well, yeah, your brain, your brain is really, you're like, just like uh, uh, your guy. Menard. Andy Menard. Andy Menard. Yeah, yeah. Work, everybody's going to work for Pritzker. Right. He resigned. And next thing you know, bam, he's the downstate czar. She could be their lakefront czar. Ooh. Although, really, Pritzker's kind really of need, starring the lakefront. Yeah, doesn't need help with that. Yeah, really. I don't think he needs I, I don't know. I have no idea what she's, gonna, uh, what she's going to do. Maybe, you know, she was in the banking. So uh, maybe she right. She was in the banking, know. so maybe she did something like uh, kind of you know Illinois politician-y? I don't know. Right? No, <laughs> oh, she did. <laughs> That's not the come on. Well, I'm just Clean saying. Just up. saying. It is Illinois. It is Illinois. That's true. And we, you know, remember when Cullerton stepped down? Yeah. You made fun of me. Yes, he made fun of me, ladies and gentlemen. He said I was naive because I said Cullerton really did want to spend time with his grandchildren. And Dennis, yes. Jaded, cynical Dennis goes, yeah, right, Ben. <laughs> and he twirled his little mustache as he said it. <laughs> nah, man, two breaking news stories. I'm just, uh, you know, I, um, let's see. When, when was the last time Heather Staines ran? I'm trying to think. Did she run in the two? Uh, do you have our crack team of backroom investigators look this up? Yeah. Did she run in 2018 or 2020? Because she ran in 2020. That is classic Chicago. Just running for re-election and stepping down. You know what? I'll look it up. Well, right actually, now. you're looking it up, but I heard the phone ring. Why don't you just ask Phyllis? <laughs> Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional oh, passes. Got to get that phone thing. Re- D, why do I still have phone service? I don't know. And the phone doesn't Get work. rid of it. Anyway, Heather Staines, best of luck to you and your family. Uh, and uh, KC states that. So that means, uh-oh, the bumping process will go on. Yeah. Someone's got to replace Kelly Cassidy. Oh, state here rep. comes Daniel Biss. I'm no longer running for mayor. <laughs> Going back to state rep. <laughs> There's no truth to the rumor that Dennis is throwing his hat into the ring. Okay, just uh, saying that right now. Never, never. Uh, now that seat, uh, yeah, I think now I've lost, I used to know this stuff by heart, the bumping process that occurred when, uh, cause the, the bumping process that occurred, oh my God, this is like 48th war, <laughs> deep dive stuff. When Heather Staines was, um, first took over as Senator, she filled a vacancy created when Carol Ronan stepped down, as I recall. Uh, and there were people in that ward of the sort of like my persuasion, lefties, progressives who wanted the job. And, uh, and, but the, the party appointed Heather Staines, you know, it's party politics, Chicago's machine doesn't play. That was the daily daily was in charge back then. I think. Yeah. So, See, I, we've never really had a champion on the north side of Chicago. Uh, and I'm thinking this out. Uh, somebody who just like stood up to the mayor and uh, on every, whatever the 
idiotic idea popped into the mayor's head. We haven't really had to deal with idiotic ideas out of a mayor uh, during Lori Lightfoot's uh, reign. I'm going to give a shout out to Lori Lightfoot here. Maybe it's because there's the pandemic, you know, I mean, severely limits uh, mayor's ability to come with uh, church trying to implement idiotic ideas. You get what I'm saying? Rob was filled with them. Hey, I got an idea. Uh, let's build a basketball arena with money in, in, in a uh, up-and-coming neighborhood with money that's intended for the poorest of the poor neighborhoods. And so all the lakefront aldermen joined him on that one. And, of course, it's the Paul basketball arena. And they didn't even spend the money at the Paul. They ended up spending it on uh, Navy Pier. Oops. Huh, funny how that happens. And then Amazon, and then, uh, oh, inviting NATO. The list goes on and on. And Mayor Daly with his goofy Olympics. We never had a lakefront alderman that ever stood up to him. Never. And, and, the, and traditionally, the lakefront was where the liberals come from. So it's like all those hippies, like in the 60s, when their neck was on the line, they were facing going to Vietnam, and they were suddenly liberal. And so they took their liberal views, and they spread it local as well as uh, national. And so they were like, oh, wow, police brutality is a bad thing. And oh, wow, not spending money in poor black papers is a bad thing. And oh, wow, all powerful mayors who get to do whatever they want is a bad thing. And they got older day, and they got corporate jobs. They're paying taxes. And they go, oh, Mayor Daly sounds good to me. And that's sort of like a condensed version of what happened to lakefront people. So we really, really had a champion on the lakefront. Now I'm thinking about it. Snap out of it, lakefront people. My goodness. <laughs> uh, it's maybe a little too late, but Kelly Cassidy's there. KC, she's feeling that freak flag. She's moved to the left, so good luck, Kelly. All right, so there you are. That's our local news. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. You can find us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Reach out to us, and we have a phone number. It's true, 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Try to do it uh, not between the hours of 1 and 3 p.m. Central Time. Boy, that'd be like great. Like Phyllis. Like Phyllis always does. Right. <laughs> Phyllis wants to come on the show, and she wants to be on the show with Stacey Davis. She's a huge fan of SDG, okay? She really loves Alderman Jeanette Taylor. Man, could you imagine if we had an Alderman on the lakefront like Jeanette Taylor? Good God. Springfield politician. Not now, Phyllis. Come on, Phyllis. And uh, we do have a few voicemails to play. And so what we're going to do during our break is play those voicemails. So check them out. And when we come back, Miles Cam Flassen will be joining us for these times. uh, We take the break. I just want to say because of all that breaking news, I didn't get to my QAnon controversy with NECA story, which I really want to talk about. So we'll try to get to that in the back half. And if we don't do that, we'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> right, Dave? Yes. say something about that the fair tax that got voted down. I believe that the statistics I looked at claimed that it did pass by over 60% in Cook County, only county in the state that it passed in, and it did pass actually by enough that we would have gotten it if the rest of the state, you know, had any intelligence. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you, you know, can bring that up, but uh, I, I know you were disgusted by that vote like so many of us and i think you know at least the people around us here in cook county aren't as bad as the rest okay then have a good day always enjoy your show thanks oh yeah this was iggy this whole open the schools 
open the restaurants, open the businesses. Hmm. Gee, 10 months ago, we shut the whole world down. We shut the country down. We shut our offices down, restaurants. A lot of them went out of business. RIP Old Country Buffet. And 10 months later, open, 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 open. We can go. We can do this. We can do that. The school, the schools can open. The kids can go back. Um, nothing has changed. What was the difference 10 months ago when this first came out? Everybody stay home. Wear a mask. Don't go out. Nothing has changed. Not even like 1% or so has gotten a vaccine. We don't even know if the vaccine works. And then open, 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 open. So when everybody goes back to school, the kids, a few of them might have casualties. But the majority of the teachers are at risk. And then the majority of the, the kids will bring it back to home to the parents. The parents will get sick. Now we have orphans. This is all messed up. It's not right. Just so you know. You can call the Ben Jarofsky Show as well. 708-658-4788. 